Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast. I was actually thinking about changing the intro today. I was actually thinking, welcome back to the EMP, but I didn't run off my tongue quite well enough yet. Mm. So I, I gotta, I gotta work on a new intro. Yeah, no, I don't like that one. But it is a happy Tuesday. It is a Tuesday, and, and it's going to be a busy Tuesday today. Unique Tuesday. It is. It is. We're going to have a unique lot to talk New about. New York, New York, unique New York, New New New. What 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 is that? Uh, unique New York. It's, yeah. rem- it's just reminding me of that. What in the so, world? I've never even heard of this. Local warm up. Unique New York. Unique New York. Hmm. If you ever did singing in choir back in the day, nope. high school. Yeah, I hung out with all the drummers. <laughs> I do. I I knew Tommy, that you just said because you started repeating it. You <laughs> just said true. that, Tommy, because you're from New York. It's you just you just wanted to I, say that. I was part of a ten tones show and dance little guy. I did. Oh, I literally yeah. started with wrestling and ended with doing theater and show tunes. There goes the rest. Well, let's move on. Yes, Tommy, I didn't know this about you. You want wow. to talk about our, uh, We'll take that off on. Old Man River, here we go. Thespian <laughs> pasts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the big news today, right? Isn't that something to do it, with it the, is. the Tonys? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We got a couple uh, kind of intros and announcement things coming out now. Um, First off, I guess we could mention that the announcement has just recently been made for the admin monitoring for tenant admins has just recently gone. Um, it, the, the public preview release will begin rolling out on May 22nd and will be deployed to all regions by May 23rd. So that's today. Yeah. Uh, surprise. This is showing surprise. up. It's in and it's awesome. Have you been able to jump in and look at oh, yeah. the data and the metrics in it yet, Seth? I have. And it's... Um... So yes, right out of the gate, there's already some really interesting things that are uh, occurring in your tenant. Yeah, yeah. Like I think we so so we have multiple uh, different premium subscriptions depending yep. on uh, in our embedded model or in our uh, P1, and it looks like I have somebody who's um, working outside of the P1 environment, sharing a bunch of stuff, which would be requiring end users to have pro license so i'm um, gonna go attack that after the show today <laughs> figure figure out where that's happening well this is all so, yeah. great too because they this has been part of the roadmap for a while i think when yeah. we did our like top 10 uh, release wave feature updates this was i think in all of our top fives yeah this is definitely a needed this is either you build it yourself or microsoft starts helping you out here a little bit and I, give you some more information about what's going on yeah, it, it will definitely be a construct week for me to uh, understand how I implement this within the uh, rest of the team because it's only tenant admin, right? So you are you have to be a tenant admin. What I like about this is tenant admin, it automatically shows up in your workspace, right? Mm-hmm. And all you literally have to do is click on it and it automatically like brings in the data set and the report. There, the, the small nuance here is it automatically shows you Oh, and it, and it's got to give it like five minutes for it to actually compile everything and and the model to spin up, yep. and the data set to be there, and then just like hit refresh or close it out and then come back in, um, and then it's all all set to go. But based on the the article blog, it looks like um, there are like you can access the data set itself and and add to the add to reports within the workspace. Um, but right out of the gate. They have activity overviews, uh, an analysis page, which is more of just the explosion of, of trees where you can split and separate out the different activities. I got to figure out how to, how to how that works because you have multiple different selections you can make. Yeah. Um, and then just the raw activity details, which is is really cool. And and I'm very happy this is here because we I was going to go down that route of the custom solutions and picking up all these activities and um, it it alludes to me thinking that this encompasses all of the activity logs like that we have access to in the API but that remains to be seen there are the two links and mm. the, the announcement um, that kind of point you to the the API documentation and things that have been out there for does it say the uh, the time range of how long you it get does. the active what is uh, it oh um, I don't know if it's on the the blog itself, yeah. but it looks like it's probably the same window. The ninety days? About, no, it's actually a thirty day. 
30-day window, I think is what it is. At least it's a 30 up front, and I don't know if that's like they load 30 and then they're going to continue to increase, but it's a 30-day window. This is where Rui Romano's uh, solution still comes so in handy because yeah. Yeah. We, we put together, like we had a PowerShell script uh, and for one project, and we were able to track that for two years. So one of the things we were reporting to our executive stakeholder was, look at our year over year. Look, we have that. Yes, you do need to have that at some point. Yeah, yes. and like this is all well and great, but I wouldn't say substitute that. Don't run your normal log. The historical data is so important to have too. So all well and good. I, I think I think this is a good step in the right direction. Yes. I will. Ha I do have a gripe though. The icon that they use for the workspace is like the very first Power BI icon they've ever used. <laughs> I didn't notice that. It's, it's like this That's little great. like it's this little stacked like you know yeah. circular thing with like the three That's bars awesome. stuck on one side. I mean, this is the very first like Power BI icon that they made. So they've been playing it for a while. Yeah, yeah, it looks a little bit too much like the original Power BI icon. Or logo or whatever you want to call it but that, that's literally my only gripe on the on the workspace and again i think you can change that too because you could edit the workspace yeah. would be my opinion or maybe maybe you can i'm looking to see if i can adjust that right now um i like your i like yeah seth i think you're right about the 30 days things i think that's what i've heard i'm trying to dig up on the on the blog i think that's what it was previously for all yeah. admin reporting it was about a 30-day window mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen that. any note around it extending beyond that but it would be nice if you were on premium to say Hey, Put here's a storage point. account. Just, just give all the data and stick it here. Or, you know, just yeah. have some kind of process where I yeah. can turn it on and say keep more or keep how many months you want. Like, I think that would be helpful too. Speaking of which, though, it's it's not just premium right now. Correct. It goes into pro as well. Right. Wow. So it does show like that the shared capacity and, and things like that, which but I found it, interesting. But to your point. If it goes premium or if there's a premium version, like my first thing is, can I hack, can I hack into the data set? Because uh, I want to modify it, right? Yep. I want to pull pull as much data as possible. Because the the thirty day activity window is good, mm -hmm. but if I'm looking at things I've intentionally gone and taken action on to resolve, I would want to see you know different, larger trend. Different, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this goes back why I think you need to own it yourself because it's probably like the live connection you can connect to it in a Power BI desktop, but it's still, it's it's a live connection. There's no way I think to really take this from an imported point of view. And this is where actually having the raw data uh, kind of changes in terms of how much you can do with it. This Not is, saying you can't customize sure. it, but... This is going to spawn all kinds of weirdness. It's going to be like, someone's going to be like, hey, look, I can do a data flow that can go hit a data model and then return a table and save it and like there's going to be all kinds of weird yeah. solutions on top of this so, like they want to keep this information but they don't want to actually like build it's honestly it's a lot of work to build all the api like if you're going to go forward from the apis all the way into a reporting solution with the activity logs and all the things that are there there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of pieces lot of work 30 minutes if you're using ruby solution which also uses powershell and the commandlets which yeah. are not technically yeah. reliable enough so I'm saying if you want to start from scratch, it's a lot of work. Fine, yeah. Just I'll getting the data is a part of the problem. The other half of the in information is, okay, once you have the data, you got to model it. you got to put it in a way that makes sense for like your report audience. Now, again, Rui did a great job on his his GitHub project. Actually, I'll, I'll see if I can pick him up, yeah. uh, his well, project. Even, even if you do a custom solution, like so like we built before Rui had his, we had a full custom solution, push the JSON, push, push the CSV, mm -hmm. put our own mm -hmm. model together, and we yep. connected it with the scanner API and refresh history. And yeah, it took a lot of work, but the insights from that to actually have that, and again, to own it. That, exactly right. There's there's a, but, so many But benefits. that's 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 the point, right? Yeah. Like it, it takes a lot of work. Yes. Right? The, the benefit of having something out of the box, which there may be comments in here already, like, hey, it'd be great if you started with this out of the box, because yeah. this, this, this gives you enough insight to fix big problems right, that could be occurring or see immediate usage and then drive the conversation of, hey, you guys, you like all these insights I'm providing you? I could do a lot more, but it's going to yes. take some more more work. Right. And yep. like, of course, once you start feeding that, right, that, that mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you can give me, you can give me 60, 90. Do we like, can we get the full year? We, we could do that, but it's right. going to take some work. Yeah. So this is the carrot kind of yeah. thing, right? And this is what I was hoping would have been out there 
or I could have leveraged a lot easier yeah. as opposed to just trying to invest and go do a bunch of work around admin, which I know I need to I do. At least this helps me facilitate that story. As a the the probably the most powerful metric we had using the admin API and using the activity log was a two and four week rolling to say what's our two week pre and then versus uh, previous two weeks and then a four week versus the previous four weeks because mm -hmm. when you look at thirty days it's fine but you're trying to see that the increase of those reports because again it's all about the context and what's the context you want with this this is great place to start if you have nothing but i can't say 100 agree here. yeah yeah i agree and again this is this is uh, for people who have i mean so many organizations i talk to they're like well we should probably start thinking about administering power bi yeah. <laughs> and so oh okay right. well here's here's i mean and again it, it could start i mean it doesn't have to start at a corporate level where you know there are a lot of organizations yeah. that are starting to power bi in a department and they're trying to figure out like their data space for their particular group and so in that in that department, they're acting like a small business to the broader part of the organization. And I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation of, let's start in a team, figure out the rules of the road, and then roll it out to the rest of the organization. I mean, that that makes the most sense, because then you can kind of work out the kinks for your organization, figure out what are the right policies and things you want to put on top of stuff. So, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Alex is already pushing us along to the to the conversation all right, now. All right, yeah. all right. And, and just just so everybody's uh, you know aware, it's in that cool green theme color uh, of all the the visuals true. And things like that. Yeah, it, it is. Yes, exactly right. Anyway, moving moving on to moving along for Alex. Yes. So uh, we we have to give some uh, promotional efforts here to our friends. Um, we have uh, some really great training coming up. I'll put the link in the chat window here as well. Um, if you want 50% off, $50, sorry, not 50%, $50 off, uh, Reed Havens and Steve Campbell are doing some incredible training. They're coming up with a online course that's going to help you to build Power BI enterprise grade models and help create sharing policies and strategies. Uh, it's coming on June 13th and 15th. Uh, it's going to be a four day, a four hour session for, th for three days. And, and it's going to cover enhanced model design, enterprise grade modeling features, deploying and managing content, um, managing your model lifecycle. So if you want to go join that, we'd highly recommend you uh, check that out. There is a code as always. Here's a promo code in the chat window and the link to go get to the uh, the event. The code is PBITips50 off 0493. So if you want to go check it out, check it out. That's a great uh, session. Steve and Reed are great trainers. They do a lot of training already. So we'd highly recommend checking out their stuff. Anyways, just want to throw them out there. That's The link will also be in the description as well in case you want to jump in and join their class. So figured they'd help us out a lot. Steve is also a, a really big developer of one of the, the tools that we give away for free called Power BI Version Control. So I don't, have you, we've played around with that one a little bit. It's oh, a yeah. power app that connects to a SharePoint page and basically helps you build a version control type model where you can check in, check out things from, from SharePoint and uh, use that to kind of keep a, uh, a version of your file around. So very, very helpful tool. It was probably the first version control tool that I've ever oh, yeah. seen for Power BI out there. Yep. And the only still. It's still the only <laughs> one out there. That's true. That's true. I've, I've seen some other people do some creative things. PBI tools came into the into the mix here, and they've done a little bit more uh, investment on the Git side of things for reports. Uh, but this is really the first tool that came out around anything that's version control related, which is actually super exciting. So I'll throw this down there as well. Uh, this is Steve Campbell and um, Anthony Escobedo. Uh, spent a good amount of time developing and building this tool. So if you want to go download that, it's free. You can go check it out. Uh, it'll help you version control your models. All right, enough of the announcements. On to the topic for today for Alex. Let's talk about Power Query functions. You know, now that I know Alex is here, I just want to get out right out right off the gate. You know, like M code Power Query, just it's one of those really overrated things. I think. Oh my <laughs> goodness! goodness. Just kidding. Just oh kidding. my goodness! Those are fighting hey. words. Hey man, you you poke you poke the host. We we can poke back. Uh, anyway, excellent. All right. Um. So jumping in here, let's just kind of just give a, a brief overview. Okay, Tommy, kind of give us a, a little intro here about where you feel like this is going. You know, Power Query functions. What, what are we talking about? What's what's the topic for today? I think you're right. This this can take a lot of directions, but at least from from my point of view, my experience in the Power BI world, Power Query has always been one of the elusive tools from a consistency point of view. 
in terms of we've created something standard. What is Power Query all about? It's the transformations, the ETL, to take something raw and to actually get something structured, accurate, and consistent. However, for the longest time, one developer would have the issue of trying to copy and paste. How do I reuse something that I've created that I know is standardized, that I know is correct or accurate? And more importantly, especially if there's a lot of complex transformations, take away the engineering side or if your company even had the engineering side. All this used to be done or still is done in the Power BI world. There are now other methods and alternatives to create things consistent, not just for a single developer, but also for a team of developers or a team of authors. Say, hey, product information's here. Hey, the, the fixes we made to our sales transaction history is here. We have data flows now, but there's still uh, hurdles. And I think there's still things that teams and BI professionals are working on to keep Power Query not only consistent where we're using the same thing, but up to date within multiple reports and multiple models. So this this kind of begs in the question here is where do you see this whole function thing fit? I mean, Power Query already is a functional language. Yeah. Um, everything you write. So again, for those who are kind of like newer to the Power Query space, right, that you have the, the formula bar at the top. Um, you can then click a lot of buttons. And what happens is you get these steps that appear on the right hand side. So you get these kind of transformational pieces that are coming along. Um, and so uh, the, the, the idea here is um, there's already a rich function language behind Power Query. So are you talking about custom functions, writing your own functions? What are, oh, you, what are you talking about yeah. here? Are you just talking about the standard functions? I Well, again, there's that's a really good distinction. There's the mix of technically every line is a custom function that you've created, whether or not you're actually defining it. And again, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is creating a query that's the standard output of I'm going to connect to SQL, I'm going to do these transformations, and here's my final output table. But there's also custom functions, functions that you may need to reuse where I need to iterate over uh, multiple ta uh, tables in a folder, or I need to iterate over a, a API that shows me the next page ID at the output. There's a lot of iterative functions that we need to do or we need to reuse because it's great here, but I cannot, I have to recreate the entire wheel now with parameters for any other new report. Also, functions do not flow out of power or data flows. So you can't, in a sense, reuse it. If you're creating a function in data flows, you can't output that function and then reuse it in a report. Okay, so let, you've covered a lot of different things here. So sure. I think I want to I want to kind of pare down and kind of take a couple of your topics. That there's you're a lot of areas. There's a lot of areas. So um, first one, I think I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about Power Query functions, I'm thinking about when I start thinking about, I think about the generic basic ones up front, right? There's like a source one, there's like, um, you know, Excel workbook one where you could actually grab a workbook right. and, and decode it and get the information out of an Excel workbook. Um, I know, uh, so I've done a lot more work. I, I, at some point, Microsoft changed how they default loaded your uh, files from a folder. So if you would like, and initially when you would load files from a folder, it was, uh, you'd have to go to the folder, you had to write some functions, you'd have to get those uh, individual files, uh, binaries combined into a single binary, and then you could open up the file and then read everything together. So Microsoft at some point made a little, you know, folder option that you would read from a folder and it would create all these automatic functions for you. It would, you know, here's the, here's the sample file, here's the, the initial load step, and all these other functions would be created for you, which is kind of cool because it's building a, a number of custom functions for you immediately on top of your data set. Good, good feature, but I found for me, I liked it to be simple. I didn't like it adding a whole bunch of extra folders and functions for me. So I started building a, like a little library of like custom functions that I would use over and over again. And I would say this, when we start ver merging into the the helper, yeah, James, you're perfectly right on, right on point. It's like the helper functions. These are little functions that can do a simple little thing, right? I have a long URL string, I need to parse something out of it. Or I have a, you know, it's just very, simple things yeah. that you need that are very custom to what you want to build. And so I really like having a library of these kind of custom built or custom created functions. And then they all become accessible to your Power BI file as soon as you load them into an M query. So um, I have found that mkey uh, has a great library of custom M functions that she uses. I think she has a GitHub around all of them, which are incredible. And so I use them all the time. But to your point, Tommy, 
These are all stuck in the file that I'm using. There's no ability for me to move Power Query functions across like an entire tenant or yeah. an entire, like either just between one notebook to the next, you have to recopy them. And there's no way to keep that function up to date, which would be really cool if there was like a library that kind of like created this reusable function layer. You know what we used to have? We used to have one Power BI desktop report that had all the custom functions or reusable queries I would use. Nothing was loaded in. It was basically called like the master library. And mm -hmm. Master library. Yeah, it's a great idea. And yeah. um, you just open up the desktop file so it was easy to copy paste because to your point, all well and good, everything we set up into this point, but there's a sudden stop point where it's not reusable. It lives in an island in its own file or it's in, in its own report. Uh, and that makes it really hard for not just trying to reuse something, but if you're on a team and something has to change, you have to make an update there again, they live all independently of one another. Hmm. Alex, Alex is like on fire right now. So Alex is, is, is throwing down all kinds of nodes here around right. information. Like he's, he's already going like, well, what would it look like for chat GPT <laughs> with respect matter, to queries? Though, because again, if I have a version of a query or a function, it lives only in that desktop file. If now if I have seven other reports that are utilizing that, I have to update each file oh, individually. Totally. But I mean, you're already at a, you know, a senior or, or, you know, intermediate developer level that's already thinking about, okay, I have a function. I need to then educate my team about what that function is and then figure out a way to relatively easily distribute that function mm -hmm. to all team members. And so again, in my mind here, it would be really nice if you had like that common library where you could say, Hey, I'm going to point, you, you basically make a single query in power query and say, point to this GitHub <laughs> and you point to a GitHub and then it loads all these like PQ functions already automatically for you into a, into the library. So you could have them. That would be kind of slick if you could do something like that, or, or maybe someone could well, build that and we can use it. Just real quick, there's there's two areas here I, I want to distinguish. There's custom functions that you're talking about doing a simple transformation. Maybe it's an iterate over a files or maybe it's over a single row or a column. Mm -hmm. But I think there's the other side here that's probably more pro uh, uh, prevalent is trying to take the raw data or you know something unstructured and creating that final output table that's going to need to be reused. And I think that is where a lot of people probably are trying to find a better solution for. Because that I'm going to need more often, like a dim master customers or uh, something rolling where you need the output to always be the same in each table. See, those are two completely different things though, right? And that's I, where, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, the conversation has been interesting to me so far because <clears throat> how much of uh, reusing these specific power query functions is is what we want to talk about, right? Because there's nuance in connecting to data sets, mm -hmm. et cetera, versus um, the the output of Power Query, which is the data set itself, right? Like if we're talking about um, reusable data sets, right? Mm -hmm. Where you know even some some people are talking about data flows, right? Like, are you building your solutions in such a componentized way that you're saying this is how I clean this data, and then if you want to interact with it, you do it at this point after we, you know, cleanse it using multiple different thing, you know, Power Query functions, etc. I don't, I don't think people are building that way all the time, okay. though, right? Because you, the the value here is the value that we can like solve. How do we best reuse Power Query segments, right? Or, yeah. or certain bits of M code between the team, or is the value we haven't we have a consistent output that we want to reuse, and it just so happens that it's being generated by Power yeah. Query. I would make the argument if you're probably a beginner, you're probably not feeling com too comfortable with functions, much less trying to create a library of them, of creating your own custom functions. And I think a lot of beginners start with I've created this great version of the table or this great version of our customer information, use this. And it, it technically they're both in a sense outputting something, just one has parameter, mm -hmm. one doesn't. So I, I guess what is the only way you could you could potentially do that? 
So the the only way for oh, which what are yeah. some methods in which you could you could do that? Right. Well, w- with Power Query, it's they've made it dead simple with data flows. It's hard not to use that. Custom functions, there's really no solution. I know I've seen people try to use a GitHub where connect to GitHub, try to extract the text and make a function out of that, but that's not a really a solution. If you mm-hmm. are creating custom functions to try to reuse, Mike, I don't know how you did that because it's not a. Oh, I didn't say I did it. I just said oh, I would like to be nice if you could do it. Like, yeah, please. that would be something where I would say Microsoft should invest in something. So, again, this is one of these things where I'm like, the community is already building libraries of things that they want to reuse or use right. over and over again. Why doesn't Microsoft continue to, to to make it easier for the community to invest back into the actual product where we have like a library where we can go, hey, download this file or update this thing or connect to this, you know, open source stuff and then allow it to be brought into our tools when we need to. And again, I, there's probably also a security and a risk thing that Microsoft is, is overlaying as well. But I also feel like, you know, as, as a developer of what we're building here, we should be able to have a bit more control. You're you're giving us all these great tools, Microsoft, but yet we don't have any capability to like slightly enhance them with what the community is building. Let the community yeah. develop all these helpful things, and then it, it force multiplies what Microsoft's doing because then they don't they don't have to build every function. They can let the community optimize yeah. and tweak and and build these better solutions. It just makes it easier for the community abroad to to use and leverage them. What's hilarious is this actually be actually was something available in Excel with Power Query back in the day, where if you signed into Power Query, you could actually save your functions and queries. I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure um, Alex can speak for this too. But I back in the day, if you signed into Excel, and you could actually then save your queries and reuse them in multiple files, whether it was a function or a Power Query. That and that was on the roadmap on the release wave, and they took it off. So unfortunately, what, what's the, what's the value here between listing the functions, which you can do in Power Query in Power BI, and you can dump it into a table, and you can understand what the functions do, versus what you're describing? Is it is it the fact that it it's an example of how to use the function in your particular ecosystem? It was something that I can reuse. To Mike's point, if I have to do the same transformations in all of my reports or all at least in all of my tables, extracting URLs or iterate over multiple files in SharePoint, which right now is building from the ground up, I can easily just pull that function in and just whatever in my new file or my new query, just pull in whatever that new parameter is. So in terms of saving a ton of time, but also keeping it consistent. And that and was there's available. No nuance that the data influences. Depends on the function, but if let's say it's a parameter for reusing a folder, all you have to do is point to something binary. And if you're doing something very custom, where just like just create the functions and then append the tables, I'm not doing all the extra clicker things unique to that table. Well, I've just created my one query now. So, so I have a so in some cases I have a little bit of so I'm 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 tossed on I'm. I'm waffling on two different sides of this story, right? On one side of this, I'm saying, if you're doing that kind of common stuff over and over again in all your data sets, one, you just need to figure out how to centralize your data sets more. So you're then, you know, picking a more common central area where there is, again, we're talking about like, do I bring that data engineering further upstream or do I keep it closer downstream towards the, the Power Query and the, and the Power BI data set, right? You know, in on my one side of myself, I'm thinking, when I'm starting to see the reuse of that same function over and over and over again, that tells me there's potentially a problem with what we're doing and we should actually be having a broader discussion around, hey, there's this common file type or information or something that we're using over and over again. Maybe that should be brought into a lake and we should just pre- pre-calculate or pre-build all these things before the business gets their hands on stuff. So I, I think potentially there's this idea of like being able to centralize more of these common data engineered things. On the other hand, I'm torn because I want as much flexibility in the business's hands as I possibly can and make it easy for them to build, let's call it for lack of a better term, prototypes, early versions of what the broader BI team should be developing. So I, I'm very torn on like, on one hand, when we talk about centralizing functions and centralizing things, I feel like we're moving more towards a let's produce our transformations upstream and then simplify our power query. On the other hand, I don't want to hold back 
the business to be able to produce what they want to produce with whatever custom function they want to build. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Yeah. I'm getting pulled two different ways right now. Well, that raises an interesting question that I'll propose to, uh, to the two of you. Is there things Power Query can do better from the cost and efficiency to build that data engineering tools or platforms cannot do? That's a great question. I'll say on can, one hand, Power Query do better in cost and efficiency versus tools. Yes. I'm, I'm not going to necessarily say efficiency, but I think cost Power Query wins for lower and I mean, uh, for lower I item for yeah. lower for lower hanging fruit power query wins because it's included in a pro license you can run power query till you're blue in the face until you run out of capacity or something falls over there are thresholds to this right so you can't go load 10 million records with power query all the time that will eventually fall over but then you can start implementing things like incremental refresh and you can start loading smaller amounts more smarter like you can do some interesting things with power query that keeps the weight of what power query is doing down to a minimum and, and efficiently loading data. Um, so I think in some ways, the cost sometimes is not comparable for smaller pieces of data. Um, as far as a UI, Microsoft, I think, has invested a ton of time on making the UI really easy to use for Power Query. Um, and so in Gil's book, when he talks about, you know, if you're a, a Power Query user, 80, 85, maybe even 90% of your time, you could just scoot around the UI and get most of your data needs met. You don't need to go write functions. That's very specialized. And this is where I'm kind of also torn too, right? I'm torn because we're talking about a very specialized skill at some point. Like if you're getting into the custom function writing, you have a very specific need and you've now had to take the time to learn how to write Power Query functions that meet your needs. I would answer that in a way Greg would probably make fun of me because I always bring up big data, but it's data size dependent, I think, right? Because if it's if, if you have smaller data sets that Power Query can just rip through, then yes, it's much more efficient, both in terms of cost and efficiency, mm -hmm. because of the rapid path you have to access that data, manipulate it, and, and get value out of it in reporting immediately. As you grow in data sizes, I think the cost perspective first goes, yes, it's more cost effective because it's very much allows us to do iterative uh, development and or like solve the big problems first and then figure out how we would want to enterprise ETL pipelines instead of doing things through Power Query and just have our process run through a singular model or a singular report then it flips and then it's like, it's no longer cost efficient because then to your point, you would have sprawl across like many different reports or models doing the same activities as opposed to just sourcing from the same right. data set that's created. But Dataflows kind of gets you around that, right? If you want to reuse data sources, um, an efficiency standpoint largely depends on the data size, right? Like I think the minute you hit a certain threshold, Power Query is going to struggle. Mm -hmm. At the same time too, um, Power BI is very aggressive with source systems. So when you talk about efficiency, like mm, if you if you have multiple models and multiple Power Query processes nailing the same SQL Server instead of one streamlined one that you would do in a different tool and just create the data set, then yes, that's that like it's going to create problems. So no one. And I, I feel we can't have, it's very hard to have this conversation in 2023 without saying the dependency and the need of data flows here. Um, this would be a very, very different conversation and I, I, without the use of data flows, if that wasn't a feature available, what it allows from the bronze level gold. Let me, let me dive deeper in that question where not so much from the data load, but can, can you run business dependent queries, business dependent reporting off of data flows and off of Power Query alone? 100%. Yeah. Okay. 100% you can do that. So and I think that puts part of the argument here then. Where, mm -hmm. so with, with data flows, and I, I really think this really takes a transition rather than the custom functions. But because I think that some people have said this is a good idea where it's kind of acting like Python modules, which would be cool. But I think from what we're talking about with some of the consistent tables, queries that we're trying to do, data flows really, really shine. Where 
the source system that you're talking about, the load. Oh yeah, that's an issue. But one of the things my, Microsoft's really pushed and works incredibly is that bronze, silver, gold within data flows using the, uh, um, oh my gosh, I can't re uh, remember the terminology, uh, um, calculated load. Oh, but the, the linked entities and calculated entities mm -hmm. that allow you to pull from another data flow where it's not pulling on the source. I, and the amount of transformations that can be done and the amount of ETL that can be done in Power Query alone, utilizing now, in a sense, a little more enterprise system outside of just desktop with, with the bronze, silver, gold and data flows in two workspaces is something that I can see maybe never has the grow up story in terms from a data engineering. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Okay. Right. So because the, the same, the way I think about this is, is can within a power, within a PBIX file, right? That I'm, I'm building things within PBIX files all the time. Your gripe is I can't reuse any of the power query within any of these things. And there's no visibility to them. Right. Right. Valid argument. So how do you solve that problem? Okay, well, like we could use a data flow and the output of the data flow is a reusable object that um, we can now use and extend in different models. But how many data flows do you have? Yeah, and how many true. of those data flows like ultimately make their way into thing? Are you reusing some of the same connections? Are you reduplicating things? So I could make the same argument there. That's and then that's where you, you level up into the enterprise where it's like, okay, if I am extracting data from a source system, and we're going to reach a gold level or a certified level of data or governed, then I should have a single path that then has very few or well-defined paths out of that in, I have a product. And this is the way we view that product throughout the organization related to this certified data set that we have governed metrics on, we have SLAs, we have all of these things that are captured in this pipeline that is probably not a data flow at least in in terms of like as you scale because it's easier to centralize around those things and and start off and have a reusable object as opposed to like maybe what i'm saying is re reducing the number of touch points right is is the common theme that would allow an organization to understand and have more and more and more confidence in in how and where data comes from so I really like these ping opinions. And again, I want to go back to your comment there, Tommy. So I, Seth, I agree with your kind of summarization there. I think that's a very, it, it, there's a, there's a lot, this is where I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot of work being done in the business and people are going to use Power Query. They're going to find value from it. They're, they're not going to be the, maybe the most robust or the cleanest solution all the time, but at least you're having people to not get blocked by data needs. I want to go back to your comment, Tommy, around using data flows, because I really liked um, where you were going with that and talking about, you know, this idea of like bringing down data and then having entity as its table, it's, it's um, computed tables or something like that, where you're actually able to stitch multiple data flows together and link the data together. I mean, I've seen some very solid business cases in the business where the IT organization was just moving too slow. And so the business wanted to just get some stuff done and make a process that they could manage and own to be able to deliver value to what their reports were needing at their their leadership level, right? So I felt there's a lot of value in being able to leverage these data flows. And interestingly enough, we could jump between data flows that were in the pro workspace versus a premium workspace. Uh, so we, we were, you know, you didn't have to worry about your premium capacity falling over because the data flow was being abusive. You could just put it in a pro workspace and let it just kind of chew and then you could pick it up somewhere else. Um, in addition to this, also thinking about some of these data flow pieces, the data flow today's current state is kind of mimicking a little bit of what the, the lake house architecture is doing. So a data flow inside powerbi.com picks up some data, does a transformation to it, and it writes it back down as a CSV file and a, and a model.json file that describes how the data is, is being brought together, which I think, again, really is the future for where Microsoft and all these data companies are going. It's going to be this, this, storage layer and this compute layer. I mean, Databricks is already doing it. They're very heavily in this space. And so I think this lake house type architecture, even though it really, it's not the same pattern that we see like in um, Databricks or other, you know, Snowflake or other, other solutions yet, 
but the data flow is really doing a lot of the lake house type work, but un, under the hood, be, be, you know, ahead of what the, the user is doing. So I think I, I'd like to see more investment around, and this is maybe what things we'll see later in the future here, but like, I'd like to see more investment on that type of architecture. I think that's the way to go. I've been developing this architecture for the last five years with companies, and it's definitely a winner. I mean, it, it, it keeps costs down. You can have large amounts of data. You can do data from source to reports within under two seconds or two minutes. We, you know, I've done some very fast reporting pieces here. So it gives you a lot of flexibility on what you can develop and build in this tool. And so I feel like this is a, um, it'll be interesting to see where this thing is, is taken in the future because I think there's a lot of potential here and it fits very well with this lake house type architecture story. It's been it's been doing that though, right? Like they've they've leveraged a lot of the same ecosystem parts. It's just bringing the business folks along for the ride. Um, the The interesting thing here is is like where where I th I think part of my head is it is, is it's the outputs of these processes that are more important than sometimes like the reuse aspects of things. And and the reason I I say that is. Um, if if I think about a a a process that I built in Power Query, right, Tommy, we we connect to an API. I need to loot like I need to then like pull a table of information. I need to extract an ID. Then that ID I'm going to iterate over to pass into another API. Then I'm going to expand that table, and now I've I've got an iterator function. I've got a connection. I've got a set of things of objects within power within this power query experience that are inextricably linked. It's not the same as uh, like uh, everything being in the same single SQL store procedure, right? Like I have a bunch of code. Yeah. It executes this, 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 this. I can literally copy and paste that into a different system. I can change, you know, some table names and it would do the same things provided it's like I'm going from dev to test or something like that. With Power Query, I can copy the M code, but if I copy the process, I can't copy the process, right? And it's the process mm -hmm. of all of these interconnected things within yeah. this, this pane that is a value for reuse and i can't copy that i can't go unless i'm gonna create a power bi file that says here's the raw connection i've done nothing else yeah. and i'm gonna call this file my you know connect to api and loop through to get whatever you know the, right. the thing is and then that's the base but then i'm forcing myself to reuse that PBIX file as opposed to maybe I want to incorporate this in a different model that I have. Now I've got to, you know, copy out all of these pieces, make sure that they all conform to the same model. Don't do a dot one because it's the same name as <laughs> something and then yeah. everything breaks. Mm -hmm. well, and it, it, it is, it's kind of convoluted, but if you understand the components and everything that you're trying to do, can you get reuse out of those different things? Absolutely. So is there a time savings in all of that block of M code being able to copy and paste from one advanced editor to another. Absolutely. There is, and you can do that and just copy paste. Is it centralized? No, but you know, I, so, so that part falls apart from my like uh, equation from SQL because all my store procedures are in the same place. Like, so if I really want, if I named things correctly and I said, this is the doer of this thing, well, you know that that's the procedure that does that thing, right? There's no lookup for me within Power Query across all my files that says, hey, I know I built this lookup, do this thing in Power Query. Where is that? <laughs> like, God oh, dang. You right? just took me out, yeah. You just took me on a mental journey because I was thinking about what you said and I wanted to push back. And technically you could, but you would have to be so self-conscious of the functions that you're using to not break it or your function your function would have to be so bare that it wouldn't really solve a lot because in power yeah which again is that worth the effort in power query if you rename or reorder columns and that column does not exist in a new table breaks right mm -hmm. so it's not just plug and play a few parameters especially if the goal of the function is not just something automated is to really save yourself some time rather than just connect to a table and append it. If I'm trying to do a lot more, my gosh, I need everything to align perfectly. 
because that's the way Power Query works. It's not mm -hmm. just plug and play a few parameters. We'll ignore everything else unless you're very conscious of what you're doing, which again, the amount of effort you have to test that out. And trust me, I know um, is not <laughs> worth that effort or worth the squeeze, especially because I can't grab that anywhere. Um, so that's a really good point. I think another great point you guys were talking about with the data flows and the data engineering, if you're going to have a library, what's another essential part, if that's going to work from an enterprise level, it's the organization and all well and good with the, with the bronze, silver, gold with data flows. But if you're relying on that for everything, my gosh, that's going to get complicated and disorganized very quickly. No folders. You know, everything, everything has a propensity to, to devolve into chaos. Right? Yeah. But does that mean that those, those things don't work within ecosystems? No, it doesn't. Right. There's a lot of value that these tools can provide to the business, but you're putting, this is, this is where the complexity of introducing all of these things to end users who have no concept about how these things operate, that it will always devolve into chaos. Like, can they, yeah. can they meet their needs? Absolutely. Is it a one-time thing? Probably. But there's no restrictions. Right? Correct. Because there's value still behind them. When we start thinking about, like, eventually all it does, I think, is push us into different levels of conversation, mm -hmm. right? Is there immediate value uh, in having tools like this that allow us to mash up data? Absolutely there is. Proof of concepts, solving big problems right away. Does it create its own issues? Sure. Down the road, if the organization wants to move into a different level of analytics and say, hey, what we found now that we have all these models and reports out in the wild is there's a wild inconsistency in data here. It's really important for us to lock in on this thing. Okay, well, that elevates your solution making then, right? Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, where do all these data sets come from? Okay, we need to create more structure around that. Maybe that's data flows, right? Everybody needs to plug into product. It's out here. Everybody needs to like plug into salesperson. It's over here. Is that a better standardization for the organization? You bet it is. But then ultimately that's going to bubble up to the point where it's like, okay, we still have inconsistencies. What do we need to do? And then it's like, okay, well, we can centralize all of this. Like for the things that really matter, maybe we should, you know, plug in and, and build a different pipeline in a lake house and then put some governance around it. Right. And yeah. if we do that, then we can also apply, um, SLAs, and then we can guarantee that the data sets that we're producing throughout this for the executive leadership team all align to what is expected within the organization. Does that automatically make all of these other reports in, like no longer valuable? No, they're just in a different state of, you know, certification. Right. And I think all of that really kind of boils down to me thinking about the functions and at least that part too, not just the reusable tables. Are there, even if there was a way where you can like install a function, the way power query language is, it, it is so dependent on the table and the columns it's going to reference mm -hmm. that it doesn't, even if you was worth the squeeze to create a package or a module, it wouldn't make sense because every function would have to be so bare. Every function is dependent on the query and the tables to choose. But that's where my original question right. came. Like you can, you can output in a Power Query file, like all of the list of functions, mm -hmm. put them into a table, yeah. sort it, and get the definition of like what you're looking for. I, I think taking this away, like down to its base level, which is probably how I should have started. If you think about the reuse of Power Query, right? What I would encourage brand new users of Power Query to, to do is get comfortable with the advanced editor because mm -hmm. everything that you're doing from a click, drag, drop, whatever, is creating that list of function, that transformations, right? And when you understand like what all of those actions are doing in the context of Power Query, then you can un understand how to reuse them, right? Yeah. So we're talking about those column names. Yeah, like what do you need to do? Well, you need to crack open the advanced editor understand where in the process you you manipulated something and either remove a column or modify the column or you know a lot of that just becoming comfortable 
and not even necessarily understanding all of the different functions and all of the different operators and changes that it's doing. It's just understanding like how it calls out on those specific things will put you so far ahead in reusing Power Query code for different purposes um, that like as a developer, you'll know where you did that. And, and if you needed yeah. to, what I would say is getting into new spaces where I'm heavily using APIs, I, I, I'm actually tackling this problem right now where I probably will carve out a PBIX file that is doing like the iterator thing, yeah. right? Because going through that takes a while to figure out like, how do you do this? Like, what are the steps? What are the processes? And then like having that file as a reference point is it, it going to be immeasurably helpful in, in the future. Yeah. And to Mike's first point, if you want to create a function or something reusable across different tables or, or different situations, and you want to create a function out of that, you kind of have to know events editor. That, mm -hmm. that, that's that 10%. Everything else is very base or bare, but to do those really amazing things that can be reused, you have to, that's that 10% where you, it's not the uh, UI, where it's understanding how the functional language works, where I can create a command here, but not reuse it until, you know, five steps later um, and understand the output. But that takes a lot of time. And that's not. No, yes and no. I don't. So this is where I think the community needs to help. All right. So this is, this is where I think the broader part of the, the, the learning of people. So I just put a link in the window here for uh, GitHub's umkeys. Um, M language library. She's got a probably about, I don't know, 50, 60, maybe different functions here around text, around type, around dates, records, M's are statistical functions, just a whole bunch of functions that are just created. And so it, these are, these are custom functions you can go use. And to your point earlier, Seth, if we're thinking about what we're trying to build, you have to boil down, you have to think like a programmer. You have to think about what is the simplest version of code I can build that solves a very specific problem. And I think where I'm, I'm kind of leaning on this right now is there's a lot of good stuff out there. I don't even know what to Google. I don't even know where to go to find this stuff. Yeah. I don't even know how to write a function. And if I did write a function in Power Query, what is, what is the description? What's the documentation? Choose. <laughs> what are the input parameters? There's actually, there's actually a good amount of documentation that needs to go along with each one of these functions to explain to you why it's there, how it works, what it does. And so I feel like Umki's done a really good job of like, here's some simple equations. These are things that she has been working on. And yeah, it's it, it's absolutely incredible, but she has a whole section in the M code that talks about documentation. Here's the name, here's a description, here's the longer description. It's a category. And she does this, you know, source, version, author, examples. So she's actually doing a really good job in these examples of exactly how this stuff is supposed to work. Again, I find it incredibly helpful. I just feel like going back to Alex's point way earlier, which was how could this stuff help us with the use of like things like ChatGPT? And so this makes a lot more sense to me where I should be able to throw these kinds of functions yeah. at ChatGPT. ChatGPT should be able to document them and collect a library of these things. And then you should be able to just throw, there should be like a, you know, chat GPT for M functions. And then you can just go yeah. ask it a question. Hey, or just like commands, like add to my repository. Yeah. You, well, you, you know, have with, to pull that into proper your documentation. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're getting to a point where, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just supposed to be, you know, absorbing all this stuff in. I mean, this is, this is why AI exists is to make this stuff a whole bunch easier to consume. A whole all this low effort work where not low effort, but I mean, documentation stuff. No one loves to do it. No one does it well, and and so we burn so much time documenting things. Well, that throw AI at this stuff. Never say you burn time documenting things. It is not a waste. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 it the part a, that people like to skip because it's just time consuming. It's a not a waste. Way to put that, yes. It's just time consuming. I'm like, I'd rather just be building cool Power Query things as opposed to documenting oh, yeah. stuff. Well, that's literally the definition of technical waste. I just want to build stuff and not worry how I did it. But no, that's a <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but honestly, even with the chat GPT, again, the way Power Query is built, the power of it or the, the the utility of it is kind of its biggest fault because it, it re relies so much on the tables and the queries that are coming in. Again, there's very simple things you can do that can break everything, 
where you're just renaming a column that doesn't exist unless you have something manually in Power Query. We say ignore it. But the only way to do that is to know the events editor. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those where I think part of this is having that secret sauce to me is the language, understanding the language and being pretty proficient in it. I don't think there's too many ways around it. I, I think I think I like to learn best from examples. So I go find people yeah. who are smarter than I am in this space, go read their books, go look at their functions, you know, go find libraries of things that are already working and then read through their functions because there's a certain way that they're doing it. And as, as long as you, there's a couple core concepts you have to understand around M, once you, I think you get some of those core concepts in your, like once you understand there's these things like data types and like how the, the, the function passes information between each of the, the lines in the, in the code, once you get over those initial hurdles, then you can start reading other people's language. So I would say if I was going to spend time on a skill, I would be spending time on finding other functions and reading them as if you were and, and writing, you know, your See, own lines, comments. What is this line doing? What is this line doing? What is this line doing? Because this amount of stuff I've learned from Chris Webb on his M code, mm -hmm. M code mm -hmm. awesome, on GitHub with, you know, different functions and things that people have already written. I've learned a lot from them as well. So that's what Alex. that's how i learn and so to me this is where i'm like microsoft's missing the boat here because there are people in the community who understand things way better than i do i need access to their content i need to be able to understand what they're doing so i can learn it as well and having a tool or tools that support that would make all this custom function writing stuff a whole lot better so i, I definitely think you need to use it i'm still very torn on where and what scale and what size scale you need to use all these things for and when you when do you transition into an IT organization versus keep it in the business. And it, it's not, it's a great story, but it's still a messy story if, in my mind. Yeah, I agree. So Mike, what does our future overlord think about how we can reuse Power Query functions and queries? So I, I started asking a couple questions here. So I said, uh, I, I tried to ask the question for ChatGPT, what is the best way to learn about Power Query functions in Power BI? And so it did, it did a pretty good job. Uh, but then I went over to the, the Bing chat and tried to ask it a couple more questions. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, yeah, just for fun, <laughs> just for fun. Uh, so, you know, the, the standard chat GPT answer was follow these steps, go check out the Microsoft documentation. There are definitely online tutorials and courses. Go check those out as well. Enge engage the Power BI community, which was great. So go to community.powerbi.com, check out there, ask questions. There's a whole section on the community that's talking about M and Power Query. So you should be able to go there and look and ask questions there. Uh, definitely check out blogs and websites. I, I would say that's something I very much um, have used. This was a good example here. Practice with sample data. To gain hands-on experience, place a, build a sample data set, create a small amount of data, create small projects or scenarios where you can uh, require that the data transformation occurs and is manipulated. Microsoft also provides some sample data sets, but you can go to Kaggle or data.gov and you can use sample data sets from there. So I thought I thought that was a very relevant example. Like, yeah, that's what I do. I start with a very small data set that has a very specific problem and I work on that and don't try to build your custom function in your massive 1 million row table initially. Try and solve it locally first on a smaller set and then figure out what that function looks like to reuse it in a bigger context. I thought that was good. Um, experiment and explore. Don't hesitate to experiment with Power Query functions. And in Power Query, the best way to learn is hands-on experience and trial by error. There we go. I want to see everyone else's code and so I can learn from that. So that's that was my example right there at the end. Um, the the other thing I, I asked about ChatGPT, I said, I said ChatGPT, have you heard about it's it's not about the cell? And it goes, <laughs> so it says yes. I've heard of it's not about the cell. It's a website that provides context on how to learn Power Hilarious. Power BI and Excel. I was like, all right, good, good. <laughs> Who is the author of It's Not About the Cell? The author is Alex Powers. Wow. He's a program manager for Microsoft where he spends his days crunching numbers and his nights torturing his wife and cats with the sound <laughs> of keyboard strokes. So um, you're, wow. you're known Alex, by the overlord. You you have been scanned <laughs> by the, the, the overlord and you are now on its radar. So... Um, I, I've, I've definitely on all those responses, I gave it a big thumbs up, uh, inside the chat, uh, GPT engine. So I'm, I'm already influencing the algorithm towards the, it's not about the cell that's, website. So anyways, <laughs> I thought I would throw that one in there as well. Anyways, uh, we all appreciate your time. The chat uh, of 
our chat here, not ChatGPT, the chat comments have been on fire. Everyone's been really talking a lot. Uh, there's a lot of comments going on here. So thank you very much for chat, for jumping in and talking and communicating. This has been super fun. A lot of great points. Uh, you know, thank you, Greg Baldini and Alex Powers for uh, really jumping in here and helping us out as well. Um, you have corrected me as far as the number of rows you should be concerned about. There's there is people in chat that are loading hundreds of millions of rows into Power Query. So, you know, my my 10 million rows was an understatement of what you can do in Power Query. Whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with with that, we'll say thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, if you like talking about this kind of stuff, if you like investing your time and, and spending a little bit of effort learning about more things that water cooler conversation around Power BI. We'd really appreciate it if you share it on social media or talk to other people at your work or your business. Share that with them that you found an interesting podcast that's helping you um, have fun, laugh, enjoy. It's good content, but also learn some things and maybe hopefully pull away some items from this that you can then take back to your, your daily workflow and, and be a better, more efficient data engineer or Power BI developer or whatever you are in your, in your work with data. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find it anywhere it's available on Apple, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe. Leave a rating. Helps us out a ton. Join the conversation live every Tuesday and Thursday at all of Power BI Tips social media channels. We appreciate you all very much. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.